Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. It is Friday, March the 4th, 2022, and you have survived your week. Congratulations. Praise be to God. You get to go to, well, it's First Friday. So you got First Friday today, and then, of course, First Saturday tomorrow. So there's opportunities at Devotions and Holy Mass. So hopefully you'll be making use of that. And then, of course, there's your 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 to-dos over the weekend. Hopefully you're going to get to relax a little bit and enjoy your weekend. Praise be to God. We are going to be catching up with Brent Haynes. He is a political analyst, Catholic speaker, and attorney. He's going to be back on the program today to catch up on all things Supreme Court. Of course, uh, Joe Biden has nominated uh, Ms. Jackson to be a potential Supreme Court judge. So we're going to be talking about that nomination, her qualifications and background. That plus some of the stories, some of those cases out of the Supreme Court that we need to be paying attention to. All of that is coming up at 35 past the hour. Of course, we have the latest in uh, the Russia-Ukraine situation. I mean, there was a, a shelling of the nuclear power plant. The largest nuclear power plant in Europe got shelled and even caught on fire. But the good news is it's safe, apparently. But uh, the bad news is the Russian forces have seized it. So who knows what will happen from here. Uh, I guess apparently also the the Orthodox Cathedral in Kharkiv was also shelled by Russian troops. That's not good. RT in America laid off all of its employees and is scaling back. Now that they've been kicked off most of the media outlets, it seems very permanent there. So there's a lot of stories going on there. Of course, I was driving to work this morning and I saw 369 a gallon in the great <laughs> state of Texas. 369. I'm not I'm not counting. I'm not keeping a grudge or a record. I'm just saying 369 a gallon. It's getting very serious. And uh, Californians right now are going saying, what? Five bucks. Don't even talk to me till it gets to five bucks. <laughs> 369 a gallon. So true, King. So true. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. I, I think the only solution for you now is to mm-hmm. bring a tent okay. and camp yeah. outside the studio. Yeah. I was going to sleep under the console. Oh, that's a great yeah. idea. It's going to move the whole family into the studio. Pretty, it's pretty comfortable in it here. It seems like reasonable, for <laughs> sure. I mean, uh, I don't know. It's getting. Pr- we may have to like go back to like. Uh, like, can I attach a sail to my car and maybe just go put it in neutral and just ride the wind all the way in? Like how? Like it's going to be interesting. I want to know. Make horses great again? I don't know. Yeah. I, well, look, the Jetsons, the documentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, they had flying cars. I don't know why we don't we have, have those them. Yet. They, they they haven't approved them for. For mass production and use in America, like you can get them and you can fly them out in the middle of nowhere. You can fly them all over water. No problem. <laughs> but flying them over major cities, they haven't approved that yet. Or if we just switch out all the pavement for like yeah. magnets. Yeah. And then Ooh, just, maglev. Yeah, maglev our way in. Yeah. That'd be cool. We'll have to burn a lot of coal to produce the energy, uh, you know, to power all that. Is that right? Yeah. Solar and wind do not oh, power Teslas we, last time I checked. We, we can't do that. Yeah, it's still cold. At any rate, praise be to God. Hey, I want to thank Mike Spicer today. Mike, thank you for joining our Catholic Drive Time Lenten fasting, praying, and suffering campaign for <laughs> ardent sinners, for uh, heretics and blasphemers, and for peace in this world. Uh, we appreciate you covering this day today 
for us on the Lenten campaign. If you would like to help us and join us in that, we're, we're, double, we're doubling up and tripling up on some days, and you can take a day if you still want to. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and click on the CDT Lenten campaign for 2022 link, and it'll take you to where you got to go and teach you everything you need to know and help you sign up by picking a day for us. But Mike... Mike Spicer, God love you, brother. Thanks for that. Speaking of suffering, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Speaking of uh, sleeping under the console? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. One time yeah. I did that it's whenever get... we, uh, I went to go visit, uh, do a rosary rally at mm-hmm. A&M mm-hmm. because of a drag queen show. Yeah. And uh, we got back so late. I was like, it's not worth me going home. So I literally just came to the studio and uh, slept on the console for like two hours. I've done that a few times. So there you go, folks. (laughs) It's rough, but praise be to God, we survive it. Uh, 15 past the hour. Did you know digital IDs are fast approaching? The World Economic Forum put out a new report trying to get everybody on board with new, brand new digital IDs that will include implants. So I'll teach you a little bit about that. Plus, the Biden administration spending up to $88 million in Research with aborted babies. We're going to talk about that at 15 past. So lots to jump into today. It's going to be a great show. Do us a favor and share us with a friend. But let's pray. We're going to pray the golden arrow prayer for the conversion of heretics and blasphemers, ardent sinners, those souls that we often, too often forget to pray and fast for. We're going to do that right now, as well as peace in the world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most incomprehensible, and unutterable name of God be always praised, blessed, loved, adored, and glorified in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, by all the creatures of God, and by the sacred heart of our Lord Jesus Christ, in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now your breaking news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today's Friday, March 4th, and these are your headlines. DW reports fire breaks out at Europe's largest nuclear power plant. Ukrainian officials report a fire at the, excuse me if I mispronounce this, Zaporizhia nuclear plant after it was shelled by Russia. Ukraine's energy ministry told Russia's RIA news agency that firefighters are unable to tend to the blaze as the plant is uh, under fire from Russian troops. Plant spokesperson Andrei Tuz said shills were striking the plant and one of the six reactors was on fire. He said the reactor that was hit was under renovation and therefore non-operational. And Town Hall reports cleanup duty. Saki explains why Biden didn't mention the 13 troops killed in Afghanistan. Saki said because the State of the Union speech is so big that covers many topics, there wasn't much time to cover everything which is applicable to the withdrawal from Afghanistan. However, the reason may be that the Afghanistan withdrawal was poorly done. Despite the tragic loss in life from both Americans and Afghans in the attack outside of Hamid Karzai International Airport, Biden administration officials have tried to tout the success of the mass evacuations that resulted in Americans and Afghans who worked with the U.S. being left behind. And the Blaze Report's World Economic Forum unveils new digital ID plan, and it's terrifying. The World Economic Forum recently published a new 46-page report detailing its Orwellian plan to control pretty much everything in your life. The report, called the Advancing Digital Agency, the Power of Data Intermediaries, describes a digital ID system that would collect personal data about your online behavior, purchase history, network usage, medical history, travel history, energy uses, health stats, and more. This data would then be used to determine whether you could open bank accounts, conduct financial transactions, access insurance, healthcare treatment, book trips, cross borders, and more. 
And One American News reports U.S. utilities push for White House not to sanction Russian uranium. The U.S. nuclear power industry is lobbying the White House to allow uranium imports from Russia to continue. Despite the escalating conflict in Ukraine, cheap supplies of the fuel are seen as, as key to keeping American electricity prices low. The United States relies on Russia and its allies in Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan for roughly half of the uranium powering its nuclear plants. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is a themed saint of the day today. It is the theme of Adrian. Mm, interesting. The saint of the day is St. Adrian and St. Casimir. Let me know when you find the connection. A bishop and missionary, possibly of royal blood, Adrian was born in Pannonia in modern-day Hungary and was appointed bishop of the local diocese. He resigned to undertake a missionary project, and after laboring among the Scots, he retired to a monastery in the area of Firth of Forth. He and his fellow religious were murdered by Danish Viking invaders. In some records, St. Adrian is identified with St. Audhern of Ireland. And in other accounts, he is listed as a missionary to Ireland. St. Casimir is a, was, a, was a prince of Poland, the second son of King Casimir IV and Elizabeth of Austria. Casimir realized from an early age that his life belonged to someone else, but also to a much higher king than his father. For Casimir, the riches around him were temptations to forget his true loyalties. Rebelling against the rich, fashionable clothes he was expected to enjoy, he wore the plainest of clothes. Rejecting even ordinary comforts, he slept little, spending his nights in prayer. And when he did sleep, he lay on the floor, not on the royal bed. His father sent Casimir as head of an army to take over the throne of Hungary at the request of some nobles there. Casimir felt the whole expedition was wrong and was convinced to go out of obedience to his father. He could not help but feel at every step that it was disobedient to his other father. He decided to turn back home and later discovered that Pope Sixtus IV had actually opposed this move. His father, however, was furious at being deterred from his plans and banished Casimir to a castle in Dobsky, hoping that imprisonment would change Casimir's mind. Casimir's commitment to what he believed was right only grew stronger in his exile, and he refused to cooperate with his father's plans anymore despite the pressure to give in. He even rejected a marriage alliance his father tried to form. He participated in his true king's plan wholeheartedly by praying, studying, and helping the poor. He died at the age of 23 in 1484 from lung disease. He is buried at Vilnius in Lithuania, and his tomb became famed for miracles and he was canonized in 1522 by Pope Adrian VI. Saints Adrian and Casimir, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 through 15. The disciples of John approached Jesus and said, Why do we and the Pharisees fast much, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered them, can the wedding guest mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Jerome had a lot to say today about this, and I, I found this very fascinating. Uh, this haughty interrogation of St. John's disciples was highly blamable not only for uniting with the Pharisees, whom they knew their master so much condemned, but also for culminating him, 
who they knew was foretold by John's own testimony. That was quoted by, uh, in Haydock's commentary of St. Jerome. But uh, in, in uh, Thomas Aquinas' work, he quotes St. Jerome as saying, O boastful inquiry and ostentation of fasting, much to be blamed. Nor can John's disciples be excused for their taking part with the Pharisees, who they knew had been condemned by John, and for bringing a false accusation against him whom they knew their master had preached. Well, what's going on here? It seems interesting to me because as I read this this morning, I was... My, my mind floated off to St. Paul, and the chief theme of St. Paul's epistles is his battle with the Judaizers, Jews who became Christians, who struggled with their Jewish roots, traditions, and identity in this uh, Christianity, versus Gentiles who became Christians who didn't have that baggage brought to the to the to the family, right? They didn't have to worry about the customs, the laws, and all the rest like the Jews did. And so it was a constant battle when you're reading St. Paul and the epistles. And I kind of see this here. John's disciples are in that Judaizer category. They're struggling here to understand that even though their own master, John the Baptist, told them, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and sent his disciples to them, to Jesus. Are you the one? Are you the one we should be looking for? Or should we look for another? John did what he was supposed to do, sending them. And yet they're going to struggle. And it is setting up like a little bit of foreshadowing for St. Paul in his writings. Uh, the bridegroom is a very interesting connection, of course. Ignatius Catholic Commentary says, A depiction of Jesus found elsewhere in Matthew, in uh, chapter 25, says, uh, Similar Old Testament imagery depicts Yahweh as the husband of the Old Covenant Israel. Jesus takes this role upon himself and is now the divine spouse of the New Covenant yeah, praise be to God. We love this imagery. Not only does he, you know, call himself the bridegroom, but he uses the, the ten virgins with their lamps awaiting for the bridegroom to come. Remember that parable? St. Jerome would say, Christ is the bridegroom and the church the bride. Of this spiritual union, the apostles were born. They cannot mourn so long as they see the bridegroom in the chamber with the bride. But when the nuptials are past, the time of passion and resurrection is come. Then shall the children of the bridegroom fast. Yea and amen. Close quote, St. Jerome, pray for us. Don't go anywhere. We're going to come right back, and we have some What's Concerning Us stories to share with you. All that plus Brentain still to come in this hour, so do us a favor and share us with a friend. We'd be very grateful. Join our prayer, fasting, and sacrifice campaign at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. We'll be right back. Some atheists argue that the universe is a mere brute fact. The universe just exists, they say, and that's that. It has no explanation at all. How can we respond? First, atheists wouldn't allow theists to use this argument. Can you imagine if a theist said, God's just a brute fact, no rhyme or reason to his existence? He'd be laughed off the stage. Second, the argument is self-refuting. It denies rational argumentation for the belief itself. If brute facts are possible, well then the conclusion, the universe is a brute fact, itself might be a brute fact, having no connection to truth or logic, in which case we would have no reason to accept it as true. Therefore, the argument defeats itself. For these reasons, we can say that it's absurd to argue that the universe just exists without any sort of explanation. 
I'm Corlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. There will come a day when each of us will be asked to review the movie of our life and give an account to God. We will sorrowfully relive the bad times and joyfully revisit the good. Thankfully, no matter what you've done, there is hope. Since Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. So if you've been away from church for a while, we invite you to come home and find the peace that only comes from God. Visit catholicscomehome.org. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, political analyst, Catholic speaker, and attorney Brent Haynes is back on the program. We're going to catch up on the cases coming out of the Supreme Court, plus the uh, nominee from President Joe Biden to uh, become a Supreme Court justice for life. We're going to talk about that, what are background qualifications, all of that coming up at 35 past the hour. But there are, as I say, several stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. Here's one out of LifeNews.com. The headline caught my attention, even though it's also reported in the National Catholic Register. Joe Biden will spend $88 million this year funding research with aborted baby parts. That's a heck of a headline, isn't it? Here's a little bit of the article. Under the Biden administration, American taxpayers once again are being forced to fund scientific experiments using aborted baby parts. It is a major shift from the Trump administration, which cut off funding after undercover videos caught Planned Parenthood allegedly selling aborted baby body parts. And conservative news outlets uncovered a study in which scientists implanted scalps from second trimester aborted babies onto rodents. Did you catch what I just said? That's pretty graphic. Pretty horrible. That's pretty horrible. The National Catholic Register reports the Biden administration allocated $88 million for human fetal tissue research in 2022 through the National Institutes of Health. Well, that's Dr. Fauci, is it not? Biden also disbanded an ethical review board to to review funding requests. So now there is little oversight to ensure American tax dollars are being used ethically. Father Tad Paholchek, the director of education and staff ethicist at the National Catholic Bioethics Center, told the register that Biden quickly reversed course on fetal tissue research and is now is returning us to the prior situation where fetal tissue research faced very few particular barriers or limitations or practical barriers or limitations. One Particularly disturbing experiment that taxpayers funded, that means you and I, we ponied up to pay for this. Let's let that set in. Through the University of Pittsburgh involved scalping second trimester aborted babies and implanting their scalps onto rodents to study the human immune system. The information came from a study published in 2020 in the Journal of Scientific Reports, which included photos showing small tufts of baby hair growing on the rodents. That is so disgusting. I can't begin to tell you how horrible that seems to me. That we paid for that, nonetheless. We paid for that. And, uh, you know, as a people, we also prosecuted David Delight and Sandra Merritt. We, uh, we held them accountable because, golly gee is, we can't allow this type of thing 
to to get out. We can't stop these things. Apparently, you know, we the people doesn't seem to matter in these circumstances because it just keeps going on and on and on. The article goes on to say last year, Judicial Watch and David Delayden, founder of the Center for Medical Progress, which exposed Planned Parenthood's involvement in aborted baby body parts harvesting, also uncovered evidence suggesting that some babies may be may be being born alive in abortions before their organs are harvested for scientific research at the University of Pittsburgh. I, th- I don't even want to read this anymore. It's that horrible to me. I, it, it tastes disgusting in my mouth to even say these words, that we would support, we will allow for, tolerate, in any way, shape, or form, this type of behavior. We funded this. Our money went to this. A born alive before their, their organs were harvested. Speaking with the register, Delayden said American leaders need to be loud and bold about these topics and keep talking about them and demanding answers from the government, Planned Parenthood, and institutions like Pitt. A recent investigation commissioned by the University of Pittsburgh found no wrongdoing in the university scientists' experiments with aborted baby body parts. But pro-life leaders criticized it for failing to examine important aspects of the research. They didn't find anything wrong with it. Oh, man. Our, uh, this is supposed to be a higher learning institution. We're supposed to teach reason and logic, right? You're supposed to walk away with a degree from institutions like this, whether they're bachelor degrees or, or higher advanced degrees, and you should have the ability to have logic, reason, common sense, and that common sense should lead you to understand that we should not be destroying human life in its most precious stages, let alone using humans as experiments, like mad scientists. Especially, we all remember the stories of the Nazi scientists who experimented on the Jews. This is unethical. Why are we doing this? What do you mean you didn't find anything wrong? Was there no one there to talk about the ethics in this situation? Like the, the philosophy of, of the human person, the dignity of the human person? Not one person could figure that out, apparently, at the University of Pittsburgh. That boggles my mind. The article says, the quote, the University of Pittsburgh lawyered up and tried to call it transparency, yet refused to examine the actual abortion and organ harvesting practices at its affiliated clinical locations the UPMC McGee and Planned Parenthood Western Pennsylvania, close quote, according to David Delayden. Well, I don't know what else to say about it other than it's totally disgusting to me that they would do this, that we would continue to fund this. And this is what I hate or dislike immensely about politics. Uh, one administration after the, the other, we just bounce back and forth. It can go up and it can go down. But ultimately... This is not a Republican or Democrat issue. This is a human issue. This is common sense. This is natural law. Every human on the planet, no matter their creed or their politics, should know better than this. And it boggles my mind. Going back to that, those 13 Catholic members of Congress who voted for the bill that would have utterly destroyed the pro-life cause in every state in our country. Uh, 13 Catholics did that. How is that possible? Where are their bishops? Where are their priests? Why is this even a thing? I mean, where is the cause and the concern for their souls? 
that they would vote to keep this type of thing moving forward. We must ask ourselves as Catholics what we truly believe, and if that belief impacts what we do. Our belief must have an impact on what we do. I mean, the apostles of the disciples of John approached our Lord today to question him about why his disciples would not fast. And he makes it clear that his very presence has an impact on behavior, on the behavior of his disciples, on our behavior, yours and mine. And yet, we are more married to our politics than we are to truth itself. And truth is a person. It is the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So many grave concerns in this story that it just boggles my mind. And uh, it's, it, to me, this is, I don't know, I got I to gotta be done before I get, get even more angry. Let me switch to this story. This is a little bit uh, more scary and at the same time uh, fun to talk about. And, and Rudy, you just covered this in your news. Your friend Klaus Schwab over, at the, over in Davos, the oh, World yeah, Economic Forum, leading the way, apparently, <laughs> uh, with this new... A plan, the digital ID plan to, uh, as this article says over at The Blaze, it says, the World Economic Forum recently published a new 46-page report detailing its Orwellian plan to control pretty much everything in your life. The report called Advancing Digital Agency, the Power of Data, Intermediaries, describes a digital ID system that would collect personal data about your online behavior, your purchase history, Rudy, your network usage, your medical history, your travel history, your energy uses, health status, and more. This data would then be used to determine who could open bank accounts, conduct financial transactions, access insurance, healthcare treatment, book trips, cross borders, and more. This is what China's been using for years. Yeah, and you know what I'm thinking as you as you're reading that article, um, I think that these things are so extreme. We look at them on the face of of what they are, and we say, "Wow, that's crazy! That could never happen." But then you look at the soft rollout of certain features within this this program that they they hope to achieve, and you could see it in in uh, Toronto, not Toronto, in uh, in uh, Ottawa. You know? Yes. You see them Australia. freeze Australia. You, they freeze the accounts of of people they don't like. You're seeing it also in Russia. You know, yeah. all of a sudden, certain things aren't available. Right. Like, for example, with Apple. So, crazy stuff. It well, happens incrementally. Well, here's the kicker, though. So, I pulled up the actual report uh, from the World Economic Forum, and uh, it's called "Advancing Digital Agency." You know, one of the things I noticed right off the bat reading this report is the the jargon. They <laughs> this thing is jam packed full of nonsensical jargon to make it <laughs> seem, I guess, more elitist. I don't even know. It's like it's just jargon. They use jargon so much. It's like, what do you really are saying here? What do you really mean by this? And so he, this, we can link to it if you wish, but it's called Advancing Digital Agency, the Power of Data Intermediaries, a report February 2022. And on page 21 of this report, um, it, it starts the process of talking about this digital ID system. And it's, again, using this vagueness, this this jargon. You're like, what is really going on here? But when you scroll down and you begin to see how they intend to seriously incorporate every aspect of society, once you are digitized, once everything is now uh, in the ether about your life, who you are, and everything you do, what you have controlled access to. Ask the Chinese people whether or not, if their social score goes down, whether or not they can get on a train, go into a store, because they get locked out. 
because they are digitally controlled just like this. So that is a real concern, as you just said, up in Canada that we saw that just happen. But if you scroll down this article and you go down to like page 23 here, you can see uh, where they're at now, where they want to go, and how they want to get there. And under the future column, they want to, because like right now, it's like, uh, well, you, uh, we have to have your permission to do this. But what we want to do is we want to shift this away from just having your permission to forcing you to do it. And they want to, it says here, next level data intermediaries are embedded in the body, devices in home, cities, etc. Well, what did we see? The Alexa device, right? Well, that report came out last year that they were rolling out connected devices through your neighborhood. So your Alexa and your doorbell camera thing also talk to each other, and they talk to the neighbor's devices too. That was very slick on Amazon's part to roll that out. And they did it in a way to make it seem, oh, it's no big deal, you know, it's going to help. But yet we, well, what they didn't tell you was they, they share that information with all kinds of agencies and other people. So connected devices in your home, now what they want to do, according to this Davos report, this uh, this this insane thing is they want to embed that and they don't want they don't need your permission to do it they're trying to get to that point so let's pray that that doesn't happen i don't want to have anything embedded in me for sure <laughs> i mean good grief uh so let's pray about that situation it just it's it's we live in difficult and troubling times but i think what's the takeaway here what's the upside here well live in a state of grace live in a state of grace work uh, feverishly in fear and trembling for your own salvation and that of your 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 family, right? Your your spouse, your kids, your neighbors. That is our own mission. No matter what happens around us, wars and rumors of wars, plagues and earthquakes and all the rest, getting to heaven is the one mission we have in this world. So let's focus, especially this land. We'll be right back. Brent Haynes and Breaking News is coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium? Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the University of Dallas offers an exceptional liberal arts education, preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for the world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, religion can never depend on minute disputes about doctrine? G.K. Chesterton says that's like saying that life can never depend on minute disputes about medicine. Will the man who says we don't want theologians splitting hairs also say, we don't want surgeons splitting filaments more delicate than hairs? Many a man would be dead today if his doctors had not debated fine shades about doctoring. It's also a fact that Western civilization would be dead today if its doctors of divinity had not debated fine shades about doctrine. We depend on doctors of medicine. We can also depend on the doctors of the church. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now, more headlines. Washington Times reports Russia and Ukraine agree to set humanitarian corridor to evacuate civilians from war zone. 
The agreement could prove vital in saving lives across Ukraine, which is under full-scale attack by Russian forces bearing down on Kiev and have seized control of other key cities across the country. The agreement will both establish corridors for civilians to escape and also will facilitate the delivery of food and medicine to areas that have not that have seen the heaviest fighting between Russian and Ukrainian troops. And Breitbart reports red-handed. Microsoft created Research Lab to work on artificial intelligence for Chinese military. Author Peter Schweitzer said that Microsoft took a step in tightening association with the Chinese Communist government in two, uh, 2010. The company set up a research lab in China to work on artificial intelligence with, Chinese with a Chinese military university. The research has major implications for their economy and the battlefield. Additionally, Microsoft also allowed Chinese army officials to monitor chats on Skype that might be used for organizing protests and other dissident activity in the country. And The Blaze reports Biden's EPA set to run small Texas oil refinery out of business with big government regulations, even as the energy prices skyrocket over Russia's the, the Russia-Ukraine conflict. The Environmental Protection Agency under President Joe Biden is set to abruptly cancel economic hardship exemptions for the uh, exemptions to the Renewable Fuel Standard Program from small oil refineries around the U.S., likely forcing one Texas refinery to go out of business at a time when American energy independence is desperately needed. Texas Republican Representative Chip Roy urged the EPA to reconsider its proposed decision to deny more than 60 pending small refinery exemption petitions on behalf of the San Antonio Refinery, a small independent refinery in South Texas. And The Pillar reports Moscow's Patriarch Kirill, Ukraine Orthodox bishops, in schism. A new schism has emerged among Orthodox leaders in Ukraine after at least two bishops instructed priests to stop recognizing the Patriarch Kirill of Moscow in the prayers of the Eucharistic Divine Liturgy. The decision is understood to be a repudiation of Kirill's leadership after the Russian Orthodox Patriarch issued prayers Sunday that seemed aimed at theologically justifying Russian President Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Joining us again in the studio is uh, Brent Haynes, attorney, political analyst, and Catholic speaker on the pro-life issues and uh, religious liberty and, and such cases. Good morning to you, Brent. Good morning, Joe. Well, we got to turn that phone. Uh, good morning to you, Brent. Good morning, Joe. Now it works. Praise be to God. Good to see you back in the studio. Uh, we always uh, we go to you for the Supreme Court stuff. You're very you're very well tuned into that. And I know it's uh, kind of a big deal when um, a Supreme Court justice decides to retire just prior to the midterms. That seems like a big deal. There was a you know speculation about pressure put on Stephen Breyer because of his age to retire to give the Democrats a chance to put a much younger justice on the court. The trend in recent years probably you know, going back into decades now, probably going back about 20 years or so, has been to put younger and younger justices on the Supreme Court. We, we've reached the point where we no longer put you know, wise old men and women on the court because of their age and experience. We put young people on the court because of their judicial philosophy and hope that they'll stay there for decades. So whether he really wanted to retire or not, Stephen Breyer retired and jo Joseph, uh, Joe Biden got his appointment. So the thought was after the midterms, they may not have the votes to get this through. They were certainly calculating that, Joe. <laughs> They're not confident going into the midterms. I, golly gee whiz, uh, lowest uh, job approval ratings ever, apparently, for a U.S. president. And this nominee, uh, this nominee, Katanji Brown-Jackson, mm -hmm. uh, was approved 
by the Senate less than a year ago for her appellate court position. Oh, I see. She was approved only by a vote of 53 to 44. Uh, so um, the Democrats have to hold all of their all 50 of their Democrats. And then, of course, the vice president, Kamala Harris, can break the tie. Mm-hmm. Um, she got three Republicans last time. The reality is that, you know, there are you know, three main points, you know, on Ketanji Jackson. And one of those is she'll almost certainly be confirmed. You know, the Republicans would have to be united and a Democrat would have to defect someone like Joe Manchin and uh, who's already indicated he would probably vote for somebody more liberal than himself. And uh, Kristen Sinema from uh, or Kirsten Sinema from uh, Arizona mm-hmm. is probably going to vote to confirm. So even if some of those Republicans who voted against her before, such as Lindsey Graham from South Carolina, decide, as he has suggested, decide to um, go against her this time, um, she's almost certainly getting on the court. Um, she, you know, professionally, she's qualified. She's got the credentials. Um, she went to Harvard undergrad. She got a Harvard Law degree. She served as on the U.S. Sentencing Commission as vice chairman under President Obama, which mm-hmm. is a clue we can come back to in a moment about her judicial philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, she served for eight years as a federal district court judge, a United States district court judge, which, of course, means she was, again, approved by the Senate. But just last year, President Biden nominated her to the D.C. Court of Appeals. And as some of your listeners probably know, the D.C. Court of Appeals is the most prestigious and many consider the most important Court of Appeals in the United States, second only to the Supreme Court. That's because it handles a lot of cases that involve challenges to the federal government. If you're going to sue the federal government, uh, often you have to file suit in, not always, but often you have to file suit in Washington, D.C. So look at what uh, President Trump did. He got Brett Kavanaugh from the D.C. Court of Appeals. Uh, John Roberts came from the D.C. Court of Appeals. It's becoming a real stepping stone to the U.S. Supreme Court. So she's already been approved. She's already had the background check. The only thing to really look at now is is her judicial philosophy. Since the days of Robert Bork, when he was nominated by uh, President Reagan in the 1980s, uh, these Supreme Court nominations have become very politicized, as we have seen uh, just in recent years with Amy Coney Barrett, with Brett Kavanaugh, mm-hmm. because People finally woke up to what is at stake. These are lifetime appointments. Once you put these people on the Supreme Court, there's nothing you can do to get rid of them. Uh, Yes, theoretically, you could do an impeachment, but that would be an extraordinary act. And judges and judicial people who want to be judges become very good at hiding their real judicial philosophy. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to attribute, distinguish between their personal beliefs and the beliefs of the clients they represent, though that's another clue with, with Jackson we could talk about briefly. And when they write opinions, sometimes that'll give a clue. I think we have some from Jackson's opinions. But again, they're supposed to be constrained by the law. They're supposed to be following the law. Once they get on the Supreme Court, they can do what they want. Yeah, pretty much. Well, I, what do you make of uh, requiring it to be a female and requiring it to be a black female at that? Yeah, there's been a lot of criticism on that. I Honestly, I, I think that a lot of that is, is just political criticism. Let's remember that Ronald Reagan mm-hmm. appo- made a promise to appoint the first woman to the U.S. Supreme Court. And at that point, only men had served on the Supreme Court. This was in the 1980s. You know, we're only talking about approximately 15 years or so after the beginning of women really entering the workforce in large numbers, entering the, the legal profession in large numbers. And... It's, uh, you know, you can make an argument that uh, 
that uh, it was time for a woman to be on the Supreme Court. You know, you don't have to buy into identity politics the way it's played up by the political left these days to mm-hmm. understand that, you know, that, that uh, maybe that was it was time to put a woman on the court. That's not my problem with Joe Biden's appointment. My problem with Joe Biden's appointment here and with his some of his other appointments, which is a real clue to her philosophy uh, in all likelihood, is uh, he just uh, he has a record already in little of little more than a year in office of appointing real radicals. Yes. Well, also, I mean, just out of the just playing devil's advocate a little bit, just because uh, Reagan did something doesn't make it okay. Uh, so just because Reagan comes out and says, "Oh, I'm going to appoint a woman um, ahead of time," doesn't mean that's a good idea. Because shouldn't this be a meritocracy, the best person for the job? I mean, if it happens to be a woman, well, then that's something that can be discussed whenever it's appointed. But to preemptively say it, how does this not violate discrimination laws? Well, it doesn't violate discrimination laws because the president, under the Constitution, gets to appoint whoever he wants. In fact, he doesn't even have to appoint a lawyer to the U.S. Supreme Court. Why so I he, could be appointed. Why you did could I be get appointed. the call then? I, I know, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, <laughs> Sounds like a I'm, cush job. I, mean, I identify as being qualified. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, it's uh, – <laughs> no, you make, you make a good point, Adrian. I mean some, somebody can certainly make those arguments. But, uh, you know, this argument that you want the best person for the job, look, we're a large country. We're a talented country, a wealthy country. There are many, many people who are qualified to serve on the Supreme Court. You know, every president has his choice or her choice when the time comes to appoint more than one. To, they have many candidates they can appoint. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I, you know, it, I think it, it, it's good to point out that Joe Biden committed to appointing a particular person of a particular gender and a particular color uh, in the context of his larger identity politics practice. Yeah. You know, why did he appoint somebody with absolutely no background or education or training or apparently skill to be uh, secretary of the Department of Transportation? Well, because he <laughs> wanted to check a box right. on his identity politics. Yeah, that's pretty obvious. But I want to get into to uh, as Catholics, how do we see this pick? I mean, it, it, I want to get in more into that. But we're down to just about a minute here. She we'll have to do some more on the other side of the break. Yeah, she look, she has adv- she has represented abortion rights groups. Um, what's, now, that could just be representing a client when you work at a law firm at the beginning of your career. But what's really troubling is that she wrote an amicus brief, which is usually something you volunteer to do. Mm-hmm. And she wrote it to support the Massachusetts law that would uh, uh, prevent anybody from approaching within uh, six feet of a car, a vehicle, or a person entering an abortion facility. Now, imagine doing that at a political polling place where you wouldn't be allowed to go up and hand somebody uh, campaign literature, for example. Yeah. Well, hold that thought. More on uh, the <laughs> President Biden's pick to become a Supreme Court justice coming up right after this break. Plus, we're going to get into some of the stories or the uh, the cases, rather, coming out of the Supreme Court that we should be paying attention to. Religious liberty and more, pro life and more. All that coming up right after this very short break. Do us a favor, share us with a friend. We'll be right back. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. The 40 Days of Lent 
remind us of when Jesus himself fasted and was tempted in the desert. In the Bible, 40 symbolizes a time of struggle, purification, and rebirth. 40 weeks is the time it takes a child to be developed in their mother's womb. Noah, in the ark, watched it rain for 40 days and 40 nights, and then the people of God were reborn after the flood. Moses went up Mount Sinai for 40 days to receive the commandments, and the Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years to find the promised land. Jesus enters the wilderness for 40 days filled with the Holy Spirit. There, the devil tries to tempt Jesus with the same things the Israelites struggled with in the desert hunger, doubt, and obedience. But Jesus rebukes him, each time with quotes from the Old Testament. Let us seek a time of rebirth and purification these 40 days of Lent. This is Matt Maloney from KnowTheFaith.net. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. Praise be to God. Let's just say the struggle is real. Giving up coffee for Lent. The struggle is real. It's been easy for me. <laughs> Joining us in the studio once again is attorney, Catholic speaker, and a political analyst, Brent Haynes. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Joe. Uh, praise be to God. Let's talk again. Uh, let's go into the philosophy of this uh, Supreme Court nominee. As a Catholic, we, we would have some issues with her beyond just her gender and or race. Yeah, as we discussed before the break, she has a record of representing um, abortion clients. But it's not just that. I mean, she, she, she's shown some real evidence of being uh, not just liberal, but very liberal across the board. Um, when President Biden came out and announced her, you know, one of the big debates, he made a comment that was revealing one of the big debates about constitutional interpretation is whether we should adhere to the, doc, the Constitution as it was written. There are people who consider themselves originalists, people who consider themselves textualists. You read what's actually there. Then there are those who are usually more liberal who want to talk about whether the Constitution is a living, breathing document. Now, when she came up for her, her district court nomination, she said she didn't follow that. Mm. principle, which was good. Last year, she dodged the question, Oof. talked about the, the importance of judicial independence, which is not the issue there. And she used the phrase, the Constitution is an enduring document. Well, you same, can... In, same you, thing. You can in, <laughs> yeah, you can easily interpret it to be the same thing. And here's a real giveaway, Joe. If you go back, and you can look at this on YouTube, when President Biden announced her, he comes out to the lectern, and he says that it is important to have some, quote, someone who has a historical perspective to understand that the Constitution is a resilient charter of liberty. And that emphasis on resilient, Joe Biden emphasized that word. Mm. So she believes in an enduring Constitution. He understands her to believe that the document is a, the Constitution is a resilient document. So she's almost certainly going to take a very, let's say, flexible approach to interpreting it. Um, Another uh, issue is, you know, Senator McConnell reportedly asked her, you know, they make the, the, the nominees make the rounds of a lot of the senators. Senator McConnell is the, the Republican leader, so he's very important, obviously. And he asked her what she thought of court packing. Now, the, now judges just notoriously get away with not answering questions about uh, particular issues because they always say, well, look, you know, I might have to vote on that issue in the court and I can't really prejudice myself. And that allow and a lot of times that's legitimate, but a lot of times they really use that as, a, as to duck. Yeah. She apparently refused to answer McConnell's question, and the point here is that Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Stephen Breyer both spoke out against court packing. 
And she has refused her first opportunity to repudiate that idea. So maybe this is the long-term strategy here. Because one of the questions I was going to ask is, isn't this uh, – she's just going to replace a liberal justice anyway. So isn't this just neutral here? I mean, there, no. there's not a gain here, but you're no. suggesting there's a strategy. Well, she – yes, when you count the votes on individual cases, it's still going to be a liberal vote for a liberal vote. Uh, the, the difference here is, and I could be wrong, it could be that she really is in the mold of Breyer. And Breyer himself is pretty liberal. Remember, Breyer in the Pregnancy Help Center case from California a couple of years ago, uh, California wanted to essentially commandeer the speech of pregnancy help centers and make them advocate for abortion, essentially. Mm. And they had all kinds of just absurd requirements that would have prevented the pregnancy help centers from being able to put up billboards effectively, that kind of thing. Uh, uh, Breyer supported that law. Wow. So he's pretty far liberal. Now, Katanji Brown-Jackson, what she will do, although she'll only be one liberal vote, and right now one of three on the court, um, she's going to push the boundary of the liberal jurisprudence on the court further to the left. And she will write dissents. Now, dissents, by definition, aren't the deciding uh, opinions in a given case. But what they do is they lay the groundwork for future opinions. So mm. a liberal or a conservative justice writes an opinion today. That's a dissent. And then five years from now or 10 years from now or 20 years from now, a justice in the future and, the, and a majority of the court, they pick up on that because the law is all about precedent. And they say, you know, back in the year such and such, Justice so-and-so wrote this. That is how we got Roe v. Wade in many ways. Now, there were majority opinions that obviously led up to Roe v. Wade, but you begin by planting the seeds of jurisprudential wow. uh, thought in the opinions, and she'll, produce, she'll, she'll probably almost certainly push the court you know, further to, to the left. You know, an important clue about how liberal she might be is to look at Joe Biden's other appointments. I mentioned that earlier. Mm -hmm. Consider some of his other appointments in terms of philosophy. He appointed a Soviet-born, Soviet-trained, Soviet-educated uh, woman who's a self-described radical, Soleil Omarova, what could go wrong? <laughs> appointed her to the to be controller of the currency. Yeah, that's fun. And you know, she eventually had to she had to withdraw. He's he appointed he's a, he's nominated Sarah Bloom Raskin for the Federal Reserve. Federal Reserve, you know, provides money for the banking system. She wants to turn it into a regulatory agency that would essentially stop banks from lending money uh, to companies. Uh, that, that develop energy for us, oh, unless wow. it's green energy. Yeah. I mean, Biden has nominated very, very progressive, far-left people to important positions. Why would he do anything different here? And consider this. The progressives who are in control of the White House, who help develop these policies for the president, and that's their job, who help develop these policies, who come up with these appointments, they wouldn't be doing their job for their position if they hadn't vetted their opportunity, their huge opportunity for a Supreme Court nominee. You know very well that they have almost certainly gone over everything closely to see who supports her, to see what she really thinks. You know, one, one other quick clue is from her own writings in her judicial opinions. She's used some pretty uh, inflammatory, uh, you know, overly argumentative language in, in, in opinions. You know, she ruled against President Trump in a case where she accused President Trump of uh, you know, using a Ouija board or a magic eight ball to make a decision. <laughs> that's that's just not mature professional judicial writing. Mm -hmm. uh, Brent, I'm wondering, you know, there's a potential for Roe v. Wade being overturned in the near future. Um, is this is this nomination uh, something that could prevent that from happening? 
not this term because first of all she won't be in office this term. Oh, okay, praise and, God. And uh, but well, that's a well, good for that. But you know, remember, Breyer's not going to vote to overturn Roe v. Wade either. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, that gets to the uh, cases that are pending on the Supreme Court uh, uh, now. There are three really big ones to look at. Uh, Dobbs is the uh, is the Supreme Court case. That's Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. And that's the case that's a real conundrum because there's the Supreme Court, all courts, like to take a middle ground if they can, especially when you have several judges voting and it's a very contentious issue, especially if it's an issue where the whole country is involved, it's a moral issue. You want to perhaps try to move the country one direction or the other, but maybe not all at once. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult to do in the Dobbs case because it's hard to just strike a middle ground. You know, what's the Supreme Court going to say? You know, okay, no. We're going to change it from 20 or 22 weeks to 18 weeks or 16 weeks. Um, it's difficult. They pretty much have to go up or down on that viability issue. Mm. Uh, and that's why conservatives and pro-lifers, of course, are very excited about that opportunity. In terms of the vote total, though, she's simply on that issue. When you count the votes, although she's possibly more radical than Brown abortion, um, the, it still comes down as a, a vote so, for Roe. But that, that, mm-hmm. has that decision already been made and they're just waiting until June to tell us? It, we don't know. And we may never know or we probably won't know for years or decades the, the, the Supreme Court. And this is to the Supreme Court's credit. It's one of those institutions where there are not a lot of political leaks. In fact, there are almost none. Mm-hmm. Very, very few. It's, a, it's nine justices. It's a small number of people. They have a small number of clerks who work for each of them. Um, and they shouldn't be out there talking. So we don't know if they've already taken the vote and they're drafting opinions. But what will happen is they take – they're all preliminary votes until the end, essentially, because they'll circulate opinions and judges, justices will try to write opinions to win over other justices. Oh, wow. So And, th- and that's a regular part of the Supreme Court. So the um, – the justices could be trying to win each other over to certain positions mm-hmm. in, in how to construe that case. Uh, the, exp- the, the Supreme Court usually hands down its biggest decisions right at the end of the term, probably so that they could head out to the chauffeur-driven cars and get straight to the airport. <laughs> but it, it'll, probably come, it'll, you know, it'll probably come down mm-hmm. in June. But Breyer's, uh, Breyer's going to vote to uphold Roe v. White, of course. Mm-hmm. Wow. And- really Planned Parenthood versus Casey. Uh, so well, let's pray that that actually happens. I, we were discussing this uh, yesterday after the show. Like, what would ha- Adrian and I were? What happens in a post Roe v. World? You know, with the pro life movement, we may have some more guests on next week to discuss that and sort of uh, brainstorm that a little bit. But let's go back to this nominee. If she gets on to the court, and you're saying it's very likely she will, um, do you see court packing in the future? You know, that's the worrisome thing, and and that's uh, the Dobbs case is relevant to that. If the United States Supreme Court does hand down a decision that ends the abortion regime as we know it or significantly impairs it, that is going to be exhibit number one by the far left, even by just moderate liberal Democrats yeah. who just believe in abortion as what they call you know, reproductive rights. That's going to be exhibit number one to show the American people that the Supreme Court is out of touch with contemporary America. Mm -hmm. They will use that as an argument for packing the court, and that's dangerous. And that's why we should be worried about this opinion. It does us no good if we outlaw abortion in June through a Supreme Court opinion, then have a whole series of other lawsuits across the country about implementation of the the new abortion uh, laws. And in the meantime, the far left is able to capture the court with a court packing scheme because you know if they capture the court – 
the Dobbs case would be overruled and Roe v. Abortion would be with us for the rest of our lives, probably and probably permanently. And not only abortion, but all of the other far leftist schemes they want to do, mm. um, including anti-religious liberty issues, right. two of which are, are before the court right now. So watch for that. You know, if the Dobbs comes down, watch that to feed the court packing argument. Now, one good advantage, and this is really something only happening in God's providence, right? You know, <laughs> God can bring something good out of misery. Um, We've got high inflation in the United States, uh, the highest in 40 years. Uh, we had the, the disaster in Afghanistan where 13 servicemen were killed, almost certainly unnecessarily. Yeah. We've got all these problems in the United States, low approval ratings for Biden. Uh, this might be the year where the Supreme Court could end the current abortion regime without the Democrats or the progressives being able to use that issue to carry them to victory in November. Wow. Well, we're going to have to leave it there. Brent Haynes, attorney and uh, Catholic public speaker. If someone wants to book you to give a talk someplace, how do they do that? They can just send me an email, Joe, at brenthaines at outlook.com. B-R-E-N-T-H-A-Y-N-E-S at outlook.com. Brent Haynes at outlook.com. We'll put that in the chat as well. God love you, Brent. Thanks for your time today. We're very grateful. Thank you, Joe. All right, that's going to do it for hour number one. Praise be to God. Thank you for joining us this hour. We are grateful that you were here. Uh, If you can join us in the second hour, we'd love to have you. You can always hang out with us live on the video streams or listen to the live audio on our website. Go to grnonline.com forward slash C-D-T. God love you. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Your Odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in their pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. St. Benedict tells us to love fasting and chastity, a very tall order. One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey. We probably find each of those things difficult and often do not feel like loving them at all. But in his rule, St. Benedict reminds us that love is not just a good feeling. He teaches us that love is always a deliberate, intentional choice. Such choices take sacrifice and discipline, and that's where fasting and chastity come in. Their frequent practice can teach us self-control and help us in the hard work of becoming steadfast and strong in love. For your free copy of The Rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com, O-N-E-MinuteMonk.com. The next time we are struggling for self-control and not feeling particularly happy about it, we'll make it easier if we remind ourselves that we are training to become 
perfect in love. Hey, Donnie, who were the first two people God created? Adam and Eve. There you go. And what did we inherit from them? Original sin. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be out with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Friday, March the 4th, 2022, and you have survived your week. You are hours away from your weekend, praise be to God. But don't forget, it's first Friday, tomorrow's first Saturday. What an opportunity. And I also am very grateful to everybody who signed up for our 2022 CDT Lenten campaign of prayer, fasting, and penance. Uh, Praying for those souls that tend to be forgotten. You know, we tend to write them off too often. Heretics, blasphemers, ardent sinners. We're praying for their conversion as well as for peace in the world. And today uh, I want to thank Mike Spicer. He has picked today to offer up his prayers, his fasting, and his penance for these intentions. And Mike, we're so grateful to you. Praise be to God. If you, dear listener, want to join us in this and you want to pick a day and join us, just go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, and then you can uh, see the link there, and there's a link that says CDT Lenten Campaign. Click that, and it'll take you to where you got to go, teach you everything you need to know. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. Are you, uh, are you feeling good today? It's the third day of Lent. I mean, how is your—let's do a little checkup here. Let's just, let's just see an accountability meeting. Do you remember that scripture of uh-huh. Lazarus and the uh, yeah. the other guy who the other guy the other guy who mm-hmm. went to the other place? Okay, yeah. And he said, "Please, please Lazarus, bring me please. some water. I'm in agony in this yeah, place." I remember. That's how I feel. You feel like Lent. the other guy? Yeah, I feel like the other guy. You don't feel like Lazarus? <laughs> no, I don't feel like Lazarus. It's only day three, Rudy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, you got a long way to go. Praise <laughs> be to God. Yeah, it's, uh, it's As soon rough. as we wrap up the show, I just mm. think, oh, yeah, some M&Ms would be good. Or, I don't know, something like... Uh, By the pound. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a chocolate bar. I don't know. It sounds good right now. Sounds yummy. But, uh, uh, no. Well... Speaking of speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good speaking morning, Speaking of Adrian. suffering, I was going to say, praise so. be to God, because this whole no coffee thing for me has been going great. Really, I, I feel wonderful. I wow. don't. I haven't found, lost you, any of my energy. You haven't wow. got like the headaches? No, not a single headache. Not it's, one. It is absolutely amazing. Crazy. I, I'm just like I'm just like crushing. The whole no no coffee uh, Lent this year. So praise be to God. Congratulations, Adrian. Oh, you're very well. I know. You know, praise be to God. People look at me and they're like, wow, Wow. that guy, we should make him monarch. 
over America. I don't and I'm know. like, there you mm. go. I don't know anybody who said that oh, so far. Everybody, everybody <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I've talked to, everyone, <laughs> all they've, they've them, all huh? said it. They've all said it. Oh, I'm pretty sure that it. would be despotism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's okay. at, at any rate. Dear listener, I hope that your Lent is going better than ours, praise be to God, because the struggle is real. Let's just say the struggle is real. Uh, but we're going to have a great half hour with you on the radio, of course. And then the second half hour, we have our after show where we hang out with you and casually conversate with you about whatever you want. And uh, if you fail to comment, well, then we just talk about movies, food, and cars now. Thanks be to God. So whatever you'd like to talk about, that's in the after show. You can hang out with us live on one of the video feeds, all linked up on our website at grnonline.com forward slash c. DT. But we're going to have a good news story for you. We got Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, plus our game show Fear and Trembling. And today, today's that day we give out prizes, right, Rudy? Mm-hmm. And, and who is our sponsor one more time? Simplicity and Productivity Co. That's their website. Yes, that's the sponsor. It's Co? Company, yeah. So it's Simplicity and what? Productivity Co. Dot com. Uh, the website, I'll give it to you once we get there. <laughs> no, I want to give it right now. Simplicityandproductivity.com. Simplicityandproductivity.com. Yeah, there we there go. There you go. I want to give them a plug. Praise be to God. All mm. right. We're going to jump into it. And what we're going to do is we're going to pray the golden arrow prayer all during Lent as a part of our campaign of prayer, fasting, and penance. So uh, do us a favor. And again, sign up if you haven't done so already. We'd be super grateful to you. But let's pray together. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most incomprehensible, and unutterable name of God be always praised, blessed, loved, adored, and glorified in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, by all the creatures of God, and by the sacred heart of our Lord Jesus Christ, in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your good news with Rudy Carlos. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And here's your good news story for the day. Today, you get a twofer. So the Epic Times reports over 100 classic sports car enthusiasts show up for autistic seven-year-old's birthday after mom's plea on social media. More than 100 classic and sports car sports cars in sports cars enthusiasts turned up for an autistic seven-year-old's birthday after a heartfelt plea by his mom. Trinity Robbins, who's 28, posted an appeal on social media for car owners to take part in a special meet for her Carter J's seventh uh, birthday bash. The response was so overwhelming that Trinity had to organize another venue that would be big enough to fit everybody. Carter J's birthday took place on Sunday, February 27th at a car park in Somerset, UK. She says, we felt absolutely amazed and grateful for everyone making the day so special. Carter J's love of cars came from his uncle, and his dream is to open up a car cleaning business one day. And the Washington Times reports Navy recovers crashed jet fighter from South China Sea. Navy salvage crews have recovered a jet fighter that plunged into the ocean more than a month ago during an aircraft carrier operations um, in the South China Sea, preventing other nations from capturing the technology. The wreckage was recovered Wednesday by personnel from the Navy's Guam-based Task Force 75 and the Naval Sea System Command's supervisor of salvage and diving. The jet is currently aboard the diving support construction vessel Picasso as the Navy discerns whether it's possible to transport the plane back to the U.S. And that's really good news. God love you. The same the day is themed today. The theme is Adrian. I know, pretty awesome. 
The saint of the day is St. Adrian, a bishop and missionary, possibly of royal blood. Adrian was born in Pannonia in modern-day Hungary and was appointed bishop of the local diocese. He resigned to undertake a missionary project. And after laboring among the Scots, he retired to a mon- monastery in the area of Firth of Forth. He and his fellow religious were murdered by Danish Viking invaders. And in some records, St. Adrian is identified with St. Audhern of Ireland. And in other accounts, he is listed as a missionary to Ireland. The other saint uh, of the day is St. Casimir. Let me know when you find out the connection. St. Casimir, a prince of Poland, the second son of King Casimir IV and Elizabeth of Austria. Casimir realized from an early age that his life belonged to someone else, someone much higher, a higher king than his father. For Casimir, the riches around him were temptations to forget his true loyalties. In rebelling against the rich, fashionable clothes he was expected to enjoy, he wore the plainest of clothes. Rejecting even ordinary comforts, he slept little, spending his nights in prayer. And when he did sleep, he lay on the floor, not on the royal bed. His father sent Casimir, gives the apostles this period of feasting, preparing for...
The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate Friday after Ash Wednesday. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. <clears throat> forty days and forty nights Thou wast fasting in the wild Forty days and forty nights Tempted and yet undefiled In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Let us acknowledge our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess, I confess to Almighty God, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done, in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, a virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison, Christ eleison, Christ eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. Let us pray. Show gracious favor, O Lord, we pray, to the works of penance we have begun, that we may have strength to accomplish with sincerity the bodily observances we undertake. Almighty God, to serve you is to reign. Grant that with the help of St. Casimir's intercession, we may constantly serve you in holiness and justice. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord God, cry out full-throated and unsparingly, lift up your voice like a trumpet blast, tell my people their wickedness and the house of Jacob their sins. They seek me day after day and desire to know my ways, like a nation that has done what is just and not abandoned the law of their God. They ask me to declare what is due them, pleased to gain access to God. Why do we fast and you do not see it? Afflict ourselves and you take no note of it. Lo, on your fast day you carry out your own pursuits and drive all your laborers. Yes, your fast ends in quarreling and fighting, striking with wicked claw. Would that today you might fast so as to make your voice heard on high. Is this the manner of fasting I wish, of keeping a day of penance, 
that a man bow his head like a reed and lie in sackcloth and ashes? Do you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? This rather is a fasting that I wish, releasing those bound unjustly, untying the thongs of the yoke, setting free the oppressed, breaking every yoke, sharing your bread with the hungry, sheltering the oppressed and the homeless, clothing the naked when you see them, and not turning your back on your own. Then your light shall shine forth like the dawn, and your wound shall quickly be healed. Your vindication shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A heart contrite and humbled, O God, you will not spurn. A heart contrite and humbled, O God, you will not spurn. Have mercy on me, O God, in your goodness. In the greatness of your compassion, wipe out my offense. Thoroughly wash me from my guilt, and of my sin cleanse me. Heart contrite and humbled, O God, you will not spurn. For I acknowledge my offense, and my sin is before me always. Against you only have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight. A heart contrite and humbled, O God, you will not spurn. For you are not pleased with sacrifices. Should I offer a burnt offering, you would not accept it. My sacrifice, O God, is a contrite spirit. A heart contrite and humbled, O God, you will not spurn. A heart contrite and humbled, O God, you will not spurn. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. Seek good and not evil so that you may live, and the Lord will be with you. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. The disciples of John approached Jesus and said, Why do we and the Pharisees fast much, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Is the bridegroom taken away from us? St. Teresa of Avila said that she, if anyone ever said that how they longed to be alive when Jesus was here on the earth, would laugh. She said, he is here. He is here in the church, in the Eucharist. Jesus, the bridegroom, is here. He's right here. And so it doesn't mean that the, the mode of Christ's being is any lesser than when he walked on the earth. What Jesus is referring to is the parts of the church and sinful humanity where Jesus is not yet united 
is the absence of the bridegroom. Within the geography or the tapestry of human sinfulness, for those valleys, those areas, those dark spots, that's why we fast, that's why we mourn, and that's why we hunger with ardent longing for Jesus to come and be with us. Uh, today's theme for Lent is fasting. If you hadn't noticed, every liturgy, every all the readings and everything has a daily discipleship theme. Uh, on Ash Wednesday, it was prayer fasting and almsgiving. Yesterday, it was the cross. Today, it's fasting. Tomorrow, it's um, uh, intercession. And it goes like that, like that for about four weeks, that there's a daily discipleship theme, a teaching of Jesus that you want to pay attention to. The first and the first reading and the gospel are about fasting. And so today, the Lord Jesus is teaching us this discipleship lesson, that fasting is ordered towards ordering our hearts, focusing on the, the disordered parts of our hearts that are not yet looking to him. And and for that reason, we should be very careful about fasting and the effect of sometimes that happens, of, as the first reading said, getting fangry. You know what fangry is? Tired, hungry, and angry. Not fasting. And So if you're fasting, it's supposed to make you be able to pray more and pray better. Pray. It's supposed to make your spirit light so that you can pass through places that you ordinarily cannot pray very well, you can pray better. And the truth is, if anybody fasts with love, they discover very quickly that the human spirit is lifted a lot easier to God. Discipline should always be done with love, whether you're disciplining children or you're trying to train a, a, a dog, animal nature responds best to love. And so if you have the little treats for the doggy, you're going to train him very well because he knows you'll be rewarded. Likewise, for the body, when you fast, you should do with much love and prayer, and you will get great results because the body responds to its inner order. And, and that's what uh, fasting with, with uh, love is and fasting with prayer. In fact, it, it's very natural and instinctual for you to pray when you're fasting. The other thing the first reading shows us is that when you're fasting, you should join that or for the sake of ordering disordered relationships or what we call almsgiving. The three of these really are supposed to go together that, but not reduced to that. And some people say that they fast on bad, they're fasting from bad thoughts. You must have a fast that is measurable bodily and incarnational. If you're not, you're kind of, it's like somebody saying that they, I do the spiritual works of mercy. I don't do the corporal works of mercy. That's not okay. You have to do the corporal works of mercy. Those are the ones that Jesus commanded that you, you, you should be feeding the hungry and clothing the naked and visiting the sick. It's not enough to say that you're doing catechesis or some, this or that kind of thing. You, you must make it measurable and incarnational. Because um, if not, what can happen is that you can, um, what is very easy to do is to make excuses for not feeding the poor and not actually helping real people instead of something abstract that is possible for us to escape. Um, but it is ordered towards that relationship. 
which is a typical Catholic balanced way of approaching things, that fasting is bodily, but it is ordered towards the spiritual. It's ordered towards, uh, you know, our, our lower nature that we can have that restored relationship with others. And so we pray on this Friday of Lent that we can have a kind of fast and a very effective way of fasting without letting anybody know it is fasting from something that nobody else knows you like. Um, and you, you appear to not be fasting and nobody knows it, but you just mortify your appetites at, at a meal. Like don't use the salad dressing that you like, maybe not have that second glass of water, whatever it is that you mortify yourself. And this way you're doing a very pleasing fast to God because still it's something that mortifies physical appetites, all the while having greater love in your heart and greater desire to order relationships. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church, and in this Lenten observance, the church may be holy as Jesus is holy. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our Holy Father, O bishops and priests, that they may lead the church in mortification and in penance. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our government leaders, for peace in the world, for peace in the Ukraine. We pray for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor, and that Lenten almsgiving may inspire us to respond to Jesus in his disguise of human misery. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for all of our beloved dead, that they may enter the Father's eternal glory. For the souls in purgatory, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask you to hear us for make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ, and through the powerful intercession of our Blessed Mother Mary, as we pray together. Hail Amen. Mary, full Amen. of grace, the, the Lord, Lord is with thee. Blessed, blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Let all mortal flesh keep silence and with fear and trembling stand. Ponder nothing earthly minded, for with blessing in his hand, Christ our God to earth descended our full homage to demand king of kings yet born of mary as of old on earth he stood lord of lords in human vesture in the body and the blood he will give to all the faithful his own self for heavenly food pray brethren that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to god the almighty father may the lord accept the sacrifice at your hands 
for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. We offer, O Lord, the sacrifice of our Lenten observance, praying that it may make our intention acceptable to you and add to our powers of self-restraint. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for through bodily fasting you restrain our faults, raise up our minds, and bestow both virtue and its rewards through Christ our Lord. Through him the angels praise your majesty, dominions adore, and powers tremble before you. Heaven and the virtues of heaven and the blessed seraphim worship together with exaltation. May our voices, we pray, join with theirs in humble praise as we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Pleni sunt terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, Qui venit in homine domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy, and you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, 
we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray upon the oblation of your church, and recognizing the sacrificial victim, by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Granted, we were nourished by the body and blood of your Son, and filled with his Holy Spirit, may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with St. Casimir, and with all the saints, on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth, with your servant Francis our Pope, Michael our Bishop, the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you've summoned before you in your compassion, O merciful Father. Gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. Remember your servants whom you have called from this world to yourself. Grant that they who are united with your Son on a death like his may also be one with him in his resurrection, when from the earth will raise up in the flesh those who have died and transform our lowly body after the pattern of his own glorious body. To our departed brothers and sisters too, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, when you will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Foreseeing you, our God, as you are, we shall be like you for all the ages, and praise you without end, through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Proceptis solitaribus moniti et divini institutioni formati, Audehemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in ceo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum, Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. On you stay. 
qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis, agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis, agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, Dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, Lord I, am I am not worthy, worthy that you should enter, enter under, under my, my roof, but, but only say, say the, the word, word and my, my soul shall be healed. Communion Antiphon, O Lord, make me know your ways, teach me your paths. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Angue lingua gloriosi, corporis mysterium, sanguinisque pretiosi, quem in mundi pretium, fructus ventris generosi, Rex efutii gentium. Nobis datus, nobis natus, ex intacta virgine, et in mundo conversatus, sparso verbi semine. Suhi moras in collatus, miro classitor dihine. Amen. Let us pray. 
We pray, Almighty God, that through partaking of this mystery, we may be cleansed of all our misdeeds, and so be suited for the remedies of your compassion through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Bow down for the blessing. For your mighty deeds, O God of mercy, may your people offer endless thanks, and by observing the age-old disciplines along their pilgrim journey, may they merit to come and behold you forever through The prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee, through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio